I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. And I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Jason Colwell. And of course, for the last three weeks, or actually probably more like nine weeks, we've been telling everyone that next week, starting Tuesday, we will be at the Starwood Festival, and we have a 20 by 20 octagon tent to do rituals in. And you guys are in luck. Because though the on-site registration for the entire week's event is $225, Starwood has graciously extended a weekend pass starting after 4 p.m. Friday, July 16th. Entry fee for the weekend will be $110 cash at Wisteria in Pomeroy, Ohio. Right, and besides the normal chaos magic classes that I normally teach, we will be teaching, well, a bunch of fairy classes and not the Victorian kind. Uh, the kind that my family taught me a few years ago. So it should be fun. Jason, you had an interesting experience that if you want to know about that experience, you got to come to Starwood and hear from Jason at what happened in the forest just this weekend. He, 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 he. So there you go. you got to come to Starwood to get the stories. Uh, tonight, I'm, I'm very, very humbled, very honored uh, to have Nikolai Diumatos uh, come on the show, of, uh, I, I even Frizzvold, uh, he's going to discuss the Pompagira tonight, uh, the seductress, the psychopomp, all the complications and, and wonders of uh, Candomblé. Uh, he is an anthropologist and psychologist who spent the last 15 years studying uh, all different types of African uh, an African-derived cults in the New World. Oh, he hasn't just studied it. He's, he's done lived it. it. He's done it. He's lived it. And uh, it's very, very humbling to have him on the show tonight and very, very awesome. And with that, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much. We were saying that uh, we are talking a little before the show about how it, the sun stays out in uh, Norway till midnight. And so it's kind of like just like the sun just went down there a couple hours ago. Ah, yeah. You have a, a pretty lightful and white light in the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, that that in itself, because I, I, I felt bad. I was like, oh, 
Jason, why didn't you tell we would record the show? You're like, oh, no, it's, you don't have to get up. So thanks again for coming on the show. I think uh, Kimbamba is one of the least understood uh, cults in the West. I mean, more and more books on uh, Haitian voodoo and, and Ocha are coming out, and, and more many people are initiated in, in the States in uh, Palo Monte and Ifa and Ocha, but uh, Candomblé uh, is kept very, very secret in, in Brazil, and your most excellent book uh, is truly a great celebration of Pombe Gira, and with that, maybe you could talk about some of the fundamental aspects of Candomblé uh, that people in the West might not understand and how it actually works. Sure. Um, in, in Brazil, we do, we do have Candomblé, but we also have uh, Kimbanda. Uh, you find the Pombajira in both cults, but uh, it's uh, more properly uh, found in, in Kimbanda which is, uh, uh, what we can say, a, a kind of sorceress uh, cult uh, uh, that follows a traditional uh, format uh, with a heavy uh, Congolese leaning uh, in its foundation. Uh, so Kimbanda uh, is primarily a, a cult uh, consisting of uh, two, uh, two spirits, Ishua and Pomajira, that serves as the king and the queen of uh, of the cult. Uh, it has uh, a kind of a misunderstood to tell, uh, and its reputation uh, is is not only fierce but uh, kind of bad, which uh, was very much my uh, motive to to write about Kimba in the first place, because it's uh, it's such a beautiful, strong, and fiery and living uh, living cult. Uh, so this book is uh, is really about uh, uh, helping people to get a better idea about uh, uh, the complexity of uh, one of the main uh, spirits in the cult. I think one of the things that, uh, when I read it, that uh, the common parlance was said that it's, it's often associated to ride with the devil and his mistress, be, because it's misrepresented by a lot of people. Yeah, or we can ask if uh, not the devil is uh, misrepresented. <laughs> right, sure. Because, uh, because in a way, uh, everything that is representing uh, the nocturnal fire rebellion, uh, a kind of attack on the on the social order, uh, do tend to be demonized uh, by those that, that is upholding those powers. And uh, of course, in the case of Kimbanda, like uh, uh, like with Petro uh, Voodoo and uh, yeah. many other cults and strange nations uh, and formations that uh, has gained a bad and more hot reputation, uh, they all have this in uh, in common that uh, there is a great deal of social rebellion, and uh, this uh, this lead to to this more demonic uh, wailing of, of the cults. But uh, uh, absolutely, I, uh, I do conceive of this uh, of Kimbanda as a cult of uh, night and fire, and uh, of course, this uh, very easily brings in uh, this kind of more diabolic uh, imagery to to our attention. Two of my favorite things: nighttime and fire. Uh, 
There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> with with everything else, Jason, you'd fit right in. See. Well, no, I'm just saying I I understand how things like the night and fire and the Christian society wants to label it as evil. No, no, it's not. But but go on. I do digress. One of the things is, I think, because, uh, you know, so our readers have heard some stuff about uh, Voodoo, because we've had uh, uh, Voodoo Mambo's on the show, and we often talk about it since I'm a Hugon, but I think a description, and I know that this is going to be difficult, of who uh, Pampa Gira and Eshu actually is would, would help them, kind of the fundamental actors in the cult. Sure. Uh, it's really a long story. <laughs> yeah, I said it was going to be hard. I, I, I know you're up to the challenge, though, so... Yeah, but uh, at the core, we, we have uh, uh, a basic uh, Congolese uh, metaphysical idea about Nsambi, about God, uh, emanating or uh, bringing forth extensions of uh, itself to all the world. Infesting the world and creation with uh, with uh, with powers. Uh, so one of these primordial powers uh, was placed on the on Earth and in creation and in, in everywhere uh, as guardians of specific uh, places of power. Uh, and this could be uh, animals, minerals, uh, planets, stars, uh, uh, invisible and visible places, and even human beings. Uh, to to be uh, generated later. So actually, the the spirits of uh, of Kimbanda uh, are in truth these kind of uh, guardians of uh, of divine potency that you find everywhere in the world. So, since uh, God has his extension everywhere in the world, that everything is uh, vibrant with his uh, fiery creative power. Uh, it also stretches to human kinds and uh, humans that are in connection with source with with the Nzambi can act as Nzambi and be creators. So this places uh, mankind in a very unique position, and it's because of this uh, uh, aspect of the cult that uh, death is so important. So uh, it is a cult of. Uh, divinized uh, death, but at the same time, this is connected to much more older, more arcane uh, guardian spirits of sorts. Was that clear? Yes, <laughs> actually it was. Um, oh. you, you in the book had said that, uh, and, and reading it, I, I can see how, I, I, if anyone listening, spend the money on, on the, the book. Um, because it's beautiful and you had at one point in the book said that Pompagira represents a celebration of the female evolution uh, as a and when we were talking about it you you'd said that that was one of the big ideas in the book so maybe yes. you could tell us about that yeah in in a way I, I do see that the, the book uh, shape it up as a kind of uh, celebration of uh, womanhood in the end. Because uh, 
the spirit of Kopumajira. She is uh, found in so many uh, varieties and uh, manifestations, if you want, in forms, in uh, all layers in society, in uh, in the most odd and uh, circumstances. The she is everywhere. She is the the sum of uh, female possibility. And I think as I started with this book, this, this became very clear. Like, uh, uh, I have one chapter that, uh, where I kind of describing the, the more uh, thematic uh, idea of Pumajira as she unfolds in, uh, in women through the, through the ages. Like uh, John Wark, uh, 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 the Countess Battery, this, this Cleopatra, these kind of strong female potencies in the world the true history that uh, that kind of not to say that they are pombajiras but they demonstrate some sort of uh, uh, pombajiraesque uh, uh, reflections in a way and ultimately it's also to women in all her diversity and pombajira is uh, uh, is really the the sum of uh, of female possibility so for me it's, uh, this became very important during the the writing and the composition of the book. So Pombazira is very archetypical of the, the female who who is self-sufficient, doesn't need the man, can can achieve in and of herself. Exactly. It is uh uh, I think she she calls upon uh, women to to be strong themselves and uh, uh, to develop and cultivate uh, the true essence of who they are as women and as human beings with uh, pride and dignity. Now I have to ask this question because I think that our society misconstrues these things. Where does this put the male? in this religion? Is this something that looks down on the male? Not at all. It's Komajira uh, <clears throat> is the, the queen of the cult, and then we have Eshu, who is the king of the cult. So we have a couple that, uh, that are in balance. But uh, at the same time, it's, uh, it is important to, uh, to pay attention that at the, at the core of the cult, actually the the, the powers of issue, the, the male force, uh, is actually a force that is uh, protecting and securing the female potencies. So it's looking down upon uh, either the male or the female, but uh, it is really a cult that seeks to, to develop the, uh, the best of human potential. Thank you very much. It makes female or male. Good, good. Now, in, in the West, I mean, um, we've, we, of course, have very Puritan values in a lot of senses, but uh, Pampajira really represents also some of the um, inhibition being released and being able to express the sexuality uh, fully, uh, completely, without restraint. I mean... Did you see? Do you ever uh, hear from people in the West that it's hard to relate to this uh, very powerful force because of those limitations being removed, or because 
she helps you remove them? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, this this can at times be uh, uh, be be complicated. Can be a challenge because for sure, uh, like for Majira, uh, she do tend to uh, to challenge your uh, uh, your shame, your guilt. And uh, she do like to, to provoke uh, your uh, sexual inhibitions. And uh, this whole sexual complex, actually. Uh, this doesn't mean that she is uh, a kind of spirit of prostitution or debauchery as such. It's just that uh, this is a consequence of uh, the spirit not being judgmental. So, as I see it, uh, uh, Pomagira never judges. Nothing. Uh, she's a woman in uh, all her glory. She's uh, she's the power of uh, uh, of Venus in all possible uh, possible ways, and of course, sexuality, sensualism, seduction is a part of this. So uh, uh, it is important to understand that it is not a lewd cult as such. It is a cult that is accepting things as they really are, without any shame or guilt or uh, redressing of our true nature or these kind of things that are very common in the Western world. That uh, uh, we do tend to, to put on our masks and our roles uh, depending on what circumstances we are in, what environment we move around in, uh, and such like. Nothing wrong in this, but uh, for Pumbajira, an issue, but I would say even more for Pumbajira, it is important to be true to yourself, even wearing these sorts of masks around. So in the end, it is, it is called to know yourself and be honest with yourself and be true to yourself. Because if you, uh, uh, if not, uh, if you're not true to yourself and you, you start to work with these powers, these, these things will be challenged. So it's, uh, uh, this is the uh, important thing uh, to keep in mind when uh, when handling these kind of spirits. I think. I think one of the questions from the chat room. I mean, I think you kind of started to answer it. Was, you know, this this cult is in a very Catholic country, which is Brazil. You know, and how did it come about that uh, many of the images associated with the cult are images of devils and uh, succubi and those type of imagery. Yes. Ah, uh, why this uh, imagery uh, entered the cult? Yeah. Uh, basically, it is. Uh, uh, well, there are many. Uh, there are so many things to tell about this, but uh, the most uh, explainable thing of the, the many uh, many explanations is perhaps the fact that. Uh, with the with the slavery, and when the Congolese uh, came to uh, to Brazil, and uh, was uh, fused with the uh, with the original Brazilians, with the exiled people from uh, Iberia, uh, they had one common enemy, and it was the Christian God. So it was very natural for them to uh, to adopt the the imageries of uh, of this diabolic opposer uh, of this uh, very cruel God. Uh, this is, of course, very crude to say this. There are many more nuances in this, but basically what happened was this uh, acceptance of uh, uh, 
these diabolic forces as a helping force. Because we have to remember that in uh, uh, in Africa, there, 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 there are no idea about a uh, devil in this satanic idea that you have in Christianity. So the understanding of, uh, of God's opposer uh, would then be much more uh, like a, uh, a savior for these people. So uh, this force that they speak so bad about, and they speak bad about uh, us, the Africans, the exiled ones. Uh, so maybe there is something here for us to get. The enemy of uh, my enemy is my friend. Exactly. So, to, to some extent, uh, this uh, this happens uh, very early on, and uh, in a way, they this was just cultivated this uh, this kind of diabolical imagery until uh, accepting that's okay. So that's that's the way it is. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, this is solely just a mask, and. Uh, uh, this mask is a challenge in itself. Huh? I do believe that for many people, it's uh, to be confronted with this uh, diabolical imagery. It's also uh, a question about uh, can you see what is behind this mask? Can you see what it really is about? Can you see this fire that is really a reflection of you? Very cool. One of the other questions we have from uh, my fellow, good friend uh, Mambo. Bezo is you know does does this cult have a root in the African Congo societies? Does it go back to those societies, or is it an interpretation that occurred just in Brazil? Uh, yeah, it uh, it does have some uh, some common references, uh, but it developed very differently in uh, in Brazil than in Cuba, uh, like. Uh, uh, you can see the, the traces of uh, the, the Congolese in, in Palmayombe and uh, Kimbanda, but uh, the expression has become uh, very, very different over the years. Uh, and uh, I do believe that it's, uh, it's more correct to, uh, to see, uh, see Kimbanda as a, uh, a Brazilian cult with Congolese roots. Uh, but that has a kind of sources expression that is uh, is somehow a bit uh, global in a way when you start to to work with this and uh, these spirits and and get a grip of, about what it's about. It's uh, uh, it's almost uh, something a bit uh, cosmopolitan in uh, in the cult that is uh, is really spoken about, but. Well, I hope to do something with this, with these writings. <laughs> One of the interesting things that I read uh, in the book again was was the the crossroads right that you give uh, for Pampagira. Maybe you could uh, tell, so that way more people will actually buy this very beautiful book. Uh, like I said, uh, maybe you could give a description of that and how you'd actually uh, do that. To attract her attention. Ah, uh, yeah. It's uh, th there are many many different uh, forms of crossroads uh, rights uh, for Pomagira, uh, and, and basically they they follow a, a very uh, uh, similar format as what I wrote about in the book. And uh, basically, you, you gather uh, red roses. 
you take off the thorns, uh, you uh, decorate uh, the, the roses with the red silk ribbons, bring champagne, white wine, cigarettes, uh, matches, candles, velvet, silk, uh, and her ponto, her signature or her uh, magical seal, right? Uh, and you go to the to the crossroad, and you you simply present uh, these uh, these gifts to her, uh, calling her attention, and simply just also to, to get to know her, and not asking her to do any favors for you or working for you, but uh, simply just ask for uh, the possibility of entering in uh, uh, to a form of uh, communion with uh, the spirits. I think. This is a very simple thing to do. It's very safe to do, and uh, uh, it will create a very benevolent uh, relationship with uh, with Pomagir. And uh, uh, but all the kinds of workings in the crossroads that uh, that involves the more magical workings and so on, I uh, I think it's better to. to to leave for people that are uh, duly mentored or, or initiated. But uh, making these kind of petitions and starting to make a connection with the, with the spirit in, in, in the way as, as this crossroad rites, where you then uh, elect uh, the proper day, you go there with the proper presence, and you, uh, you ask to, uh, to enter into com- communion, it uh, can be very beautiful and very rewarding for, uh, for the practitioner. One of the, one of the, I think praise names that uh, that I derived kind of reading the book uh, was actually you know, snake at the erotic crossroads, you know, and the nature of how Pomp um, Pombegira actually relates to Kundalini, and, and it's kind of funny that you initially we're relating to Kundalini you're initially saying she forces you to be honest with yourself and um, which is kind of one of the interesting components of Kundalini is that as you are raising the Kundalini you're forced to be more yourself as well and maybe you could speak about that and how they relate to the Kundalini and perhaps one of the questions from the chat room too is how they can kinds of practices actually relate to uh, Europe as well, so we have kind of a relation between multiple cultures. Um. Sure, it's a. Uh, uh, we start with uh, with the last question, with uh, this European co- uh, connection. It's, it's very clear for me that Kimbanda is a conglomerate. It's a mixture of uh, Africa, Brazil, and Europe. And if you see, uh, uh, one of the stories of Pomagira uh, Maria Padilla, which is one of the most famous and celebrated Pomagiras, her story was that uh, she was actually from uh, from Spain. That she was a, a, a most likely a Arabic descendant or a gypsy uh, mistress of uh, uh, of the king and that I started to make cults of her already in, uh, in Spain or in Iberia in general. And that's her cult. Uh, came over with expelled uh, witches from, uh, from Iberia. And uh, this constituted this European 
uh, Wayne in, in Kimbanda that lives on in the songs and praises for, for her still today. Uh, so for me, it's, it's, uh, it's very evident that uh, this European legacy still uh, lives on, uh, both in uh, Pumajira and also in how Kimbanda is dealing with, uh, uh, with the world, because uh, there is really a great acceptance of, uh, of the new world and uh, the urban uh, areas uh, having, uh, having power. It's not only the, the woods and the crossroads and so on, but everywhere uh, have this guardian spirit that makes uh, potentially every so-called kingdom uh, a place where you can work with these spirits. So, uh, so the, the European uh, inheritance has, has been there all, all, all the time. It's, it's just that the, the African uh, legacy tends to have been uh, given too much focus. Uh, why? I don't know, because it's, it's very clear that uh, it, it's, it's everything there. It's just a choice about how you want to look at it. Well, is it is it mainly because the European aspects have been so overly Christianized over time and overshadowed by the Christian Church? Uh, I think, in, uh, <clears throat> for the case of Brazil, it's uh, we have to look at uh, the the history because uh, in from the 1910 to 1940, it it, it was much more. Uh, uh, versatile the uh, expressed the the essence of kimbanda with being uh, european more uh, uh, global african it was a room for everything okay. uh, but with the uh, with the military uh, rulership with the uh, all these kind of political uh, factions that happened in the in the 70s towards uh, uh, finishing with the uh, military rulership, we also had a lot of social movements in Brazil, like uh, uh, the Black uh, Pride movement was very, very important in getting a lot of attention to the Congolese inheritance of, uh, of many cults, like for instance Kimbanda. So I think it's just uh, a question about uh, uh, our historical scope, really, how far uh, back we want to look and uh, uh, see the full picture, really. So, uh, that's interesting because what I'm picking up there is that it wasn't really until the 70s that things like this started to become more viewed as being African. Yeah, it was always there, but uh, really before this, it, it was uh, viewed as uh, uh, a predominantly African, but uh, really a mixture of on an African route. Okay. So, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, but it's. It, it really depends on uh, how you look at it, and and it's also the problem with the documentation because uh, until uh, uh, 120 years ago, it was very little written really about uh, Kimbanda uh, yeah, or Makumba in general. Now, with a lot of religions like this, isn't it hard to find scholars who aren't religiously biased when they go in and study? Ah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's very uh, very often what happens. That they are biased either one way or the other. Either they see it as a curiosity, or they have some kind of uh, 
biased mission in uh, in approaching the the cult and writing about it. So, whatever got you on this track? You're you're originally from Norway, correct? Yes. And I'm very interested in, in your background, how you got into the study of the types of religions that you're into now. Yeah, it uh, it started uh, uh, probably in my uh, when I was a teenager uh, with uh, with visions and uh, apparitions that I I couldn't make sense of. And it was all the time uh, predominantly uh, very African in uh, in flavor. These uh, these experiences. Uh, it was kind of uh, I was very young at that time uh, when it mm-hmm. started, maybe ten or eleven. Uh, so I, I tried to push this, this away. It, uh, I was far too young to really uh, get a grip of this in uh, in uh, intellectual or adult way because I was an adult at the time uh, but it it really just uh, came out to me in when I was a teenager I was uh, uh, just at the right place at the right time meeting the right people all the time so oh, uh, I don't believe in coincidence I, it started off with visions at a young age and then you started meeting the right people happenstantially right yeah and you can imagine it's kind of 20 years ago it's it was difficult to meet uh, the right people, at least for a uh, Western male uh, wanting to uh, to get to know uh, African uh, cults and religions better. So I really feel that uh, it, it was greatly guided uh, by those spirits that I came to to meet as my patrons in various cults uh, during my journey. So. Uh, that's so why I see this. Uh, I never made any kind of active uh, uh, search, really. I, uh, uh, when the right person or the right situation uh, occurred, I got enthusiastic and I just entered and doors opened. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, I mean, currently, does the, um, the cult actually draw from all of uh, the Brazilian society or is it kind of limited in scope to who actually joins the cult now in Brazil or is it across the board you know ah King Amanda is having the reputation of being uh, a cult of the people, a cult of uh, the spirits of the streets so in the past it uh, it was very much used for people in, uh, in difficult life situations to get rid of poverty, uh, to get their marriage uh, back, to get a loved one back, to, uh, to make the, uh, the physical life better, really. But uh, over the years, since, uh, since life has improved greatly in Brazil, you see people are uh, uh, slowly entering uh, and becoming interested in, uh, in Kimbanda for more uh, metaphysical reasons. It's not only the... Uh, drawn to this because they are uh, great problem solvers for uh, for a suffering uh, uh, humankind. But uh, there is a great interest in in knowing these spirits in Kimbanda uh, for more uh, metaphysical reasons. It's not only the uh okay. Can you hear me, uh, Jason? 
I can hear you now. I had a little bit of a hiccup here. Can you hear me okay still? Nick, can you hear us, or did you drop off? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. little technical glitch. Okay. Sorry. Can <laughs> Sorry about that. Yep, live radio, it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <clears throat> so, it seems like it, it's more and more like a religion, uh, a cult in uh, Brazil that is attracting all walks of life now. Yes. It's uh, both a... Yeah, gradually it is. But, uh, uh, yeah, so something is uh, clearly changing uh, in, in terms of uh, all this. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I found interesting as um, you're going on in, in the book is the connection to that Pampagira has to the nightshade, a whole nightshade family of plants from tobacco to peppers to henbane. Uh, maybe, maybe because a lot of the book deals with offerings and plants, maybe we could talk about that unique connection that she has there. Uh, with the plants, you mean? Yeah, with the nightshade plants, especially. Yeah, uh, I think it uh, uh, it is very much present in the in the name uh, itself. The, the nightshades uh, they they are plants of solace, and uh, so is Pumbajira. She is a spirit of solace. Uh, if you see in the history and the, the, uh, the tales of Pumbajira, she she loves to give comfort and solace and help to. Uh, to suffering women, in particular, and uh, of course, this idea has a strong affinity with uh, with the essence of uh, of nightshades in general, because they give comfort. If uh, if it's a potato, that is also a nightshade, or if it's a belladonna, that uh, can kill you in nightmares. So, it is this whole kind of comforting aspect in the in a nightshade family that I I find. It's very much uh, uh, the the garden of uh, Pombajira because you will find everything from a, uh, it can feed your your body, it can uh, feed your mind, it can bring in sanity, it can bring death, it can bring love, it can bring everything. So the vastness amongst the the nightshades uh, is really mirroring the the vastness of, uh, of Pombajira. It's quite a broad spectrum. It can make you better, or it can drive you insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great spectrum. Yeah. What, yes. Uh, it, it, it is really uh, uh, how far and deep uh, her mystery can go. One of the questions that came up in the chat room, which there's, as you can imagine, tons, but one of the questions is actually, and I remember this from a few years ago, I don't know if it's still true, is that it was very difficult for non-Brazilians to get initiated. And are you seeing that change now that, you know, now like as in Haitian voodoo, there's um, more and more non-Brazilians getting initiated, or in, the, in that case non-Haitians? Ah, well, what I see is that uh, Brazilians are opening their, their doors uh, little by little for uh, for making decisions. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's partly because of uh, uh, the, 
the world getting uh, more accessible for Brazilians. Uh, the, the world is getting smaller in general, so it's uh, it's more easy to uh, to connect with people. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, there is a greater interest, or the, the interest from abroad is actually growing quite uh, quite fast. So uh, this serious seeker for innovation uh, do tend more and more to be received uh, with the uh, dice. Uh, because it, it helps to preserve the the cult, it uh, it also helps to give it a new expression. Because uh, I also feel it's important to take note is that uh, Kimbanda is is truly a dynamic cult. It's constantly in uh, in a state of flux and uh, change within its parameters, of course. But uh, it is a cult very very towards uh, uh, adopting to new uh, new environments. So uh, I see in this as well that uh, it's also a wish uh, from the spirits to uh, to move around in the world, as well, which fits very much with my uh, my own uh, uh, conviction that uh, it is really a more cosmopolitan and, uh, and more global cult than uh, what is commonly believed. So. You know, I have to look at this and say, do you think there's a change in the nature of racism globally, that, that people are starting to be less racist and starting to be more open to sharing their beliefs with one another? I think maybe on, uh, at some point, or among some, uh, uh, some groupings, perhaps this is the case. Uh, but I, I do, do also believe that uh, both... Uh, 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 both racism and uh, non-racism is, uh, is developing at the same time. But uh, for people uh, on a spiritual book, I, I, I do have the sensation that uh, this is less and less an, an issue, really. It's, uh, uh, yeah, just to take an example with the, uh, with the IFA in Nigeria, it was much more difficult uh, for a uh, white uh, white person to, to actually be taken serious in a searching the station 20 years ago than now. So I think because uh, the, the world uh, has become uh, smaller and uh, it's, it's more faster with communication, uh, understanding across nation, lands, countries, all this uh, has also become more... Uh, uh, yeah, what you People getting more understandable and more understanding for each other's uh, background and uh, personal search for a spiritual fulfillment, I feel. So, uh, yeah, I think for uh, spiritual people, racism is not, uh, uh, is gradually losing uh, meaning at all. This is good. Now, in your personal spiritual search, have you had to go through any trials and tribulations to prove yourself being a Caucasian coming into these foreign countries? Oh, yeah. When, when I started out, uh, um, uh, yes, I had some, uh, some, some initial problems, but uh, not, not very severe. It was really much more on the level of uh, racist comments. But uh, still, the doors opened. So it has been really minimal. Then it becomes, wow, this guy's kind of cool. Uh, 
I think uh, initially it's a bit uh, skepticism. Is this uh, so? What are you really after? Who are you? Why don't? Why are you here? It's, it's uh, initially it was kind of confusing with, uh, uh, with the person coming from the first world uh, to take uh, meaning and get initiated uh, outside the, my own country. I think this was the most uh, confusing thing for, for those I met uh, very early on in my, my journey. That's why are you not initiating yourself in your own country? No, because we don't have this in my country. It's Norway is uh, at this country. It's not possible anymore. You know, <laughs> I have to travel. So, uh, yeah. So wh one of the questions that I, I would like to answer, and, and I'm not the only one, because it's also in the chat room, is... You know what is what is your favorite experience uh, with Pampa Gira and serving her, or what is your most profound experience, or both? Maybe you can give us both your most profound and your favorite experience. Maybe they're two different. So I don't ah, there there are so so, so many, many, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it, uh, it has to go uh, go back to the to the very early beginning when when I started to to make sense of uh, of Kimbanda. And uh, the, the most profound thing uh, in that beginning is that uh, you get so uh, faster souls and uh, you get so uh, fast, intimate with the, these uh, spirits. Uh, it's almost like uh, they are hanging on you all the time. So I think uh, this experience of uh, being truly connected and being followed and watched over by a fire spirit like Pombajira uh, was dramatic in itself in the beginning. So, with the, with episodes that are really uh, really, if you are thinking about the results, you make a request and the results are coming. Yeah, there there are really uh, a long chain of uh, astonishing and uh, surprising uh, events. Really, it's and and this is uh, really some some of the uh, the fascinating and great uh, things about her. If uh, if you choose to uh, to venerate her, so you're in for a very interesting journey, I will say. <laughs> so in the chat room, Mambo Vezo would like to know if the cult is practiced year-round or if it is a seasonal cult. No, it's uh, practiced year-round, but uh, some uh, some centers and uh, practitioners they they have a um, uh, they have a break in uh, workings uh, uh, around the Holy Friday and in the days uh, commemorating the the death of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So they follow the Catholic sanction about veiling the saints in this period and so on. But uh, besides this. Uh, it's cult. Uh, it's cultivated all the year. There's no uh, public holidays or uh, special saint days and so on. It's uh, it's more weekly. It's very important. Like every day in the week uh, has its uh, has its power. And uh, uh, for instance, Fridays are very important for Pombajira. Like uh, Mondays are good for a shoe. Saturdays are good for a shoe. So. The uh, liturgical uh, cycle or the seasons are uh, are based upon this, 
Now, one of the things that we um, we kind of touched on a little earlier um, was the notion of that she's a guide to the final resting places as well, or a guide to um, basically a psychopomp, uh, as well as uh, forcing you to move towards you in a little, little way. Uh, since we're coming to the twilight of our show, maybe you could actually talk about her role in that capacity and maybe any of your your personal experiences that go along with that. Sure. Uh, okay. To, to follow up again in the beginning, that Nsambi uh, uh, created these kind of spirits as, uh, as guardians. And uh, we do have our, our personal Pumajira uh, and personal issue. Uh, every people have uh, their personal Pumajira and personal issue. So in, in this respect, they, they serve a, a role and they are very similar to, uh, to the idea of uh, Diamond. Uh, a particular spirit, uh, a guiding spirit that is following you from, uh, from birth to death. So, uh, in this way, they, they can uh, alternate in uh, showing themselves as a, as a diamond or a, uh, whatever we need in our journey on life towards death. And uh, there's also this idea of uh, evolution in, uh, in your personal pomagia, that as we mature in life, so does uh, our pomagia go through stages of uh, maturity. So uh, it's almost like a mirror reflection upon each other. Uh, so the better uh, and more truthful we work in, uh, in our life, towards our end, uh, we'll also be able to, to meet our spiritual reflection that I believe is a myriad, and one of them is your Pomagira and Eshu. And in this way, uh, since these spirits are so terrestrial and so fond of uh, working with uh, human beings, so uh, uh, joyous in the material world, uh, they are also great supporters to the other side and will uh, still be, uh, be close with us there. So this is the, the kind of function as a cycle pump. Is, uh, uh, I think it's perhaps more correct to see this as a, as a kind of cycle pump of, uh, of the transitions of life in general yes. until death, uh, yeah. then beyond. So uh, 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 this way of approaching her as, uh, as a mirror of, uh, of this, uh, this side in herself can be uh, uh, very rewarding and very good, but also very challenging. So is it almost like, I hate to make this comparison, but the Western concept of the Holy Guardian Angel, the idea that these spirits walk with you and help you aspire to be the best that you can be, your higher aspects? Yeah, in, in a way, uh, there is a similarity there. If you if you want to uh, approach it uh, like that, but I I, I really do uh, see that uh, your personal issue and personal pomagira do have this uh, uh, a similar function as your holy guardian angel. 
but similar. It's not the same. It's uh, maybe it's a question of semantics or, or splitting hairs. But I really see this from a Girana issue as spirits of more dynamic nature. That they are more tied to you uh, in in this soul flesh level, while the Holy Garden Angel is perhaps a more uh, uh, tied to the to the intellect soul kind of level. If you get my gift. Sure. One of the questions that came up a, a little earlier is, in addition to your book, uh, what other resources do you recommend for people to search out in either English or Portuguese? In Portuguese? Either. That was the question. So if there are any additional resources for people to, that you would recommend. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's actually very difficult to find, uh, find good books about uh, Kibana in English. Uh, but in Portuguese, there are, uh, there are a few books that are, are good. Uh, I do tend to like the, the research of uh, Bastide, if you want to, uh, to have more academic sources for this. I like the book of uh, uh, Stefania Caponi. Uh, I think in English it's on the search for uh, Africa in Cantonle. That's uh, that is a very uh, nice research. And then we have uh, have a few writers in uh, in Portuguese, but they are all old writers from between 1930s and 1970s, like uh, Alves Teixeira, uh, Molina, and uh, Fontanelli. But beside this kind of old uh, pioneers of Kimbanda, there is uh, it's not it's not much I really uh, can say. Uh, oh, this was really a short, uh, good piece of writing about Kimbanda. It's uh, it's Rachel Quinn. Or if anybody see it, let me know. So, as a final question, uh, bef before I ask you to give out your information. Um, do you do you do service in Norway or, or wait till you return to Brazil each time? That comes from the Mambo too, who has just tons of questions. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I I have my uh, my temple in, in Brazil, and uh, if uh, if I need to do something while I'm uh, out traveling or working or visiting and so on, I, I of course do, because. Uh, what is such such a great thing with uh, with spirits of uh, uh, of these kind of very vivid and alive uh, cults like uh, like in Banda, like uh, Wudu, like Palo, is that your guardian spirits they, they do speak to you all the time. So uh, when this uh, when this constant communion connection with spirit is in is in place, uh, I'm really not very. Uh, Heard about this uh, this kind of routine uh, that I have uh, back here in Brazil. That's necessarily will alter when traveling and so on. Because if you have a good connection with spirits, you will know each, uh, each other and you will know when the, the needs are 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 expressed for spirits if they need some feeding or I need some attention or if I need some advice or whatever. It is, like the cult itself, a very dynamic uh, interaction and relationship. 
so we got about four minutes. Um, how can people get in contact with you, or do you have any upcoming events that, that you're going to be at, or, uh, you know, how, how can people, uh, we'll have a link uh, where people can buy the book on the Deeper Down the Rabbit website, but uh, if they want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, uh, you have the information, uh, my, my email and my blog address in the uh, ad about it show, huh? I'm sure we do, yeah. Um, yeah. So it is just to search this out, and uh, please feel feel free to get in touch with uh, with any events and so on. And I I don't have anything uh, scheduled at the moment. Really. So uh, so I think the the better thing is just to uh, to search the contact information uh, on your uh, site and take it from there. Really. Oh yeah, if you go back to our page, DDTRH. Dot com and look up tonight's show, you will get Nick's email address as well as his blog page with more contact info there. Yes, I think that's the, the best way, actually. One of the things is we would love to have you back to talk about, uh, you know, Paolo uh, Mayombe, uh, you know, which was your first book, which, uh, you know, Peter and Kiss this just raved about. And I actually have that book, and it's just another great book and we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about that too um, if you'd be willing <laughs> of course uh, please it will be my pleasure it's just uh, let me know oh the pleasure is ours we really appreciate this we really do especially given the time if you could just stand there there's about two minutes left we want to thank the Illuminist uh, for his fine flying to the moon, moon music next week's show will be a live show uh, at Starwood, we're hoping we can work that out. We're still working with uh, Dave, the owner of uh, Para-X, to basically help us make that happen so we can have a live show from Starwood. Uh, and with that, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And have the best and most blessed weeks you can. And for those of you coming out to Starwood, we will see you in less than a week now. We'll see you in, well, sort of a week. A week exactly and we'll have a fun time and everyone have a blessed week